0: Welcome back to Good Girls, presented by HADAP. We're your hosts. I am Michaela, And I'm Siobhan. On the Good Girls podcast, we will be tearing down societal expectations of the good girl. Reminding the podcast universe that good girls are real people with valid wants, needs, and desires. This is a shame-free zone. Whether you consider yourself a good girl... Or a bad girl, we're all one in the same. This podcast is brought to you by the team at HUD app, the alternative approach to commitment free dating. Today's episode. Get ready for it. Therapy. I know how shocking <laughs> that we are here saying go to therapy. Right? Like we haven't said it at least once per episode yeah. in every other episode. Thus the far. baby.
1: Go to therapy.
0: Go to therapy.
1: Baby, you know you'd look so sexy in therapy? (laughs) you look so hot sitting on that therapist's office, talking about your problems, dealing with that trauma. I don't know, though. But, like, that'd be sexy. Pretty much. Yeah.
0: Like, you understand your own emotions and thoughts and feelings. Wow. Hot. TBH. I'm going to hate I'm in hate with you in therapy. <laughs> there is something so attractive about someone that takes care of their mental health. And I don't know if that's just because my mental health has been subpar At for a, a significant period of time. Yeah. That as soon as I meet someone and they tell me that they're in therapy, I'm like, you're well balanced. You're doing it. And even, even if you're not, like, you trying. You are mm. here trying. You're not just mm. trauma dumping on everybody else. Which, like, hey, there's nothing wrong with oh, a little bit of trauma dump. So
1: <laughs> personal.
0: I love a good trauma dump, but you know, you've got to be. You can't be doing it all the time. And ideally, you're doing it to a licensed trust. professional. Yeah. <laughs> Me on a night out. I'm gonna be mysterious
1: tonight.
0: Mm. Me, three shots later, trauma dumping on everyone. No, but I want to start this wee chat out by asking, what actually is therapy? trauma dumping on a licensed (laughs) professional pretty much and I think when we ask that kind of question we have to be prepared that there is no simple answer yeah I mean like there kind of is like in a real blanket kind of understanding the purpose of therapy is obviously to help people relieve emotional distress and mental health problems but I think It's important to remember that therapy A isn't a one size fits all Mm. and that there are many, many, many different kinds of therapy and ways to engage with therapy not to mention different treatments different you know styles of therapy different tools that you might you know be encouraged to use as much as most therapists will specialize in some particular area whether they're specializing in a type of therapy or they're specializing in particular patients and cases that they are qualified to deal with it is still always going to be unique to the individual Mm. and I think the important part when when just starting this conversation and starting this back and forth about why we should go to therapy I think it's very very important to recognize that therapy isn't strictly reserved for those with quote-unquote obvious or diagnosed mental health conditions Yeah, everyone can benefit from going to therapy. Absolutely, absolutely. And what's important to to note is that you don't have to be at rock bottom. You don't have to be struggling so, so much in order to deserve mental health support. Yeah, I feel like that's actually such an important point because I remember
1: in high school, I went to a therapist like the school therapist and I told my mum and she was like what problems could you possibly have you come home and you go to school yeah which not stellar parenting on her (laughs) part but I think it came out of concern yeah but it kind of did make me spiral and think like yeah what there's nothing wrong in my life there are people who are way worse off than me so my problems don't matter but it's not the trauma olympics like exactly there's no winners We all just need to sort out what's going on in our heads sometimes.
0: Exactly. And even with self-talk and even with, you know, talking with your friends or I guess in a way evaluating other people's experiences, Mm. it's never going to be healthy and it's always going to be toxic to have that mentality of someone's got it worse. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the worse is. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Avoiding your own or trying to convince yourself that your experiences are not bad enough and not valid enough to who and what is that what benefit is that Mm. giving you by constantly comparing your experiences to the experiences of others you don't know what other people are going through truly you don't you're not in their heads you don't feel the things that they feel first of all you're in no position to judge if their experience is worse than yours in the grand scheme of things because you're not inside their head but it, you're right, it isn't the Trauma Olympics. You don't have to be at a certain level of... You don't have to be the most... A bronze trauma. Yeah. Like
1: There's no bronze trauma. Like, you only qualify to go to therapy if you are in the top three spots.
0: Yeah. Like, it just makes no sense and it's going to be disadvantaging you. you. Therapy isn't something that can be necessary enough to make it worthwhile. <laughs> I mean... I think having an impartial observer that can listen to you and and maybe offer you some advice or guidance is something that everyone can benefit from. Yeah. And I also think
1: another key thing to remember in this discussion is that therapy is not cheap and we're aware of that. And this is quite a, you know, I'm not even in therapy. I can't afford it. Yeah, I don't live the luxe life of being able to afford it, but there are definitely, you know, tip, maybe not tips is the right word, but definitely treatments that we'll like talk about that you can apply without going to a therapist.
0: Yeah. And as much as I personally would never recommend engaging in especially medical treatments without having gone the to the guidance a of a doctor? therapist or at least a licensed professional, we are, we are definitely painfully aware that therapy is not the most accessible thing, especially, you know, if you are in a low income group or if you're in like a rural or isolated community, Mm. you're not necessarily going to have, you know, your giant Google directory of therapists near you. And yeah, if you're not in a position to afford therapy, that puts major barriers on your ability to access mental health support. There are some options out there things like the rise in online therapy options and online therapy tools apps and I have a built-in hesitation to the app side of things and to the online types of therapy that you're like matched with a therapist and you're putting your trust in the technology process for that to be something that works for you but in dire situations or in situations where you literally have no other alternative, my recommendation would never be just to not seek help. Mm. It's it's always going to be better to try and be in a position where you can access therapy regardless of what that looks like. Things like support groups are really great and often a lot more of an affordable option. But and led by yeah. people that you're not paying for a one-on-one session you're paying to be in a group with people that have the similar experiences to you sometimes you might not even be paying for situations like this mm. but they are still led by someone that knows what they're doing and knows what they're talking about yeah. and you're still in a safe environment you also have options like seeing a counsellor versus seeing someone like a psychotherapist so in the kind of realm of therapy and, and mental health professionals there are different kind of tiers of professionals that you can see a lot of that is like a real stripped back understanding is really just how many years of study Mm. those people did and what their kind of specialties were obviously when you're and it's not to say that this is not to say that counsellors are not good enough or incapable of of giving you the support and the guidance that you need because that's not the case it's very much a case-by-case basis you will find a great person regardless of how long they went to university for and how big their student loan is Mm. but Oftentimes, seeing a counsellor is, in the grand scheme of things, far more affordable. There mm. even might be free options, maybe through your education provider. Some workplaces offer like mental health support. In, in a counselor type way, you don't have to be. Your only option doesn't have to be the, you know, three hundred dollar sessions with a psychologist. Yeah, that's. It that doesn't have to be the be all and end all. So as much as you know, none of this changes the fact that that mental health support and therapy specifically is a relatively unaccessible thing to do. Putting in that little bit of extra work to find something that works for your particular circumstance, it will be beneficial regardless. So I want to get into a little bit of the different kinds of therapy because there are many, many, many different kinds. And I'm going to run through a few kinds of therapy today. It's not an exhaustive list. It's not a list of every single therapy option out there because there are very many. But this list kind of covers more of the, I guess, quote unquote, standard therapy experiences that you might have depending on what your needs are moving more into different situations different positions that you might be in different mental health struggles that you might have because there are tailored therapy options depending on what your needs are because now that we understand kind of a bit more about the purpose of therapy and what therapy is there to do the journey doesn't stop there yeah so uh, starting with cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. So this is essentially a form of talk therapy. The therapist is is there to explore the relationship between a person's behavior and their thoughts, feelings, both, and basically work through with an individual to uncover those unhealthy thought patterns and kind of rewire the brain to avoid those thought patterns I always just call this DBT I don't think dialectical I've ever had dialectical therapy very very similar to CBT but is often that more mindfulness approach there are strictly mindfulness focused therapies but dialectical is that kind of combination between talk and giving you solutions. So it is more solution focused, it's more activity and task driven to kind of teach you hands-on ways to process your, your emotions and your thoughts and work towards accepting them. So those to me are the two most common types yeah. of therapy. I'm going to dive quickly into some a little bit more alternative depending on the type of mental health struggle that a person might be seeking. So things like eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing therapy, EMDR, most often used to treat PTSD. Um, also, this episode is going to be very much full of acronyms. i yeah, <laughs> just kind of realized that. Maybe I'll put a little bit of a glossary in the show notes and then you can always refer back to that if you need to. EMDR kind of aims to replace adverse reactions to painful memories. Basically, uh, the trauma response to kind of work to make that a less charged and more of a positive response and often involves the person going through the treatment to recall traumatic events. And they're given specific movements, often to do with eye movements, to basically retrain the brain. Exposure therapy, I think this is one that gets talked about a lot more. Yeah. The process of the kind of lead up to the exposure is oftentimes very cbt Driven, talking about your thoughts and feelings, working through the responses to those. The only difference is that a therapist, when the patient is ready, will start to expose the person to their triggers and do this in a very controlled environment to help Mm. reframe how they react to things yeah pretty much interpersonal therapy very much about relationships as the the name would suggest so it's very much focused on social interactions and helping people recognise negative patterns with their social interactions and basically just The therapist is there to teach them how to understand and interact positively with others. Mentalization-based therapy, very common for those with borderline personality disorder, basically is there to help people with BPD notice and understand their own thoughts and feelings and the feelings of others. BPD is a very, very still unknown in the grand scheme of things mental health disorder, I am in no way qualified to go much deeper than, than what I'm giving you at the moment. BPD is incredibly hard to diagnose and is often something that is self-diagnosed. And then you basically then have to kind of try and get some mental health professional to test you, to diagnose you properly. It is very, very difficult. And it involves finding a really great psychotherapist to help with that diagnosis. And all we're talking about here is a therapy style that is often used to help with BPD. Moving on to psychodynamic therapy. So this is basically working towards combating patterns of behavior that derive from past experiences. So uh, the patient is basically there initially to talk very freely in response to a therapist's questions, very kind of conversational back and forth. During that time, the therapist is trying to identify patterns of behavior and of thought so that the person can understand how experiences have created unhelpful behaviors and feelings that they can then overcome. Rapid firing through the last few, we've obviously got animal assisted therapy, pretty stock standard, service animals, support animals, using that as a form of therapy, emotion focused therapy, you know, uh, working on helping people not suppress their emotions, family therapy, group therapy, very, very self-explanatory, mindfulness based therapy. So this is basically DBT on steroids very mindfulness focused and then you've got things that are typically more either geared towards children and adolescents or require very kind of particular circumstances things like creative arts therapy helping work through emotion and trauma through being creative and play therapy which is exclusively for children to help them process their feelings and talk about their thoughts and feelings through play so that was 14 different kinds of therapy and that's not even an exhaustive list i also think it's important to note that more often than not a therapist won't exclusively work with you in one style or another. Yeah, it's kind of blended. Blended, yeah. Yeah. And a good therapist will be someone that can recognise which types of therapy that are going to work best for you and which combinations and will also tell you if it is not something they feel like they can help you with. Mm. And I think people kind of forget that that's potentially part of the situation that either you have reached a point where your therapist doesn't feel like they can give you anything else anymore or whether the things that you're dealing with are outside of the realm of their expertise Mm. and their recommendation will be to put you forward to an additional or a different therapist that that works with things on a different level. I feel like it would be quite upsetting to be kind of broken up with by my therapist.
1: Yeah, like, sorry, your problems are a bit too severe for me.
0: Yeah, sorry. You're getting upgraded, (laughs) free upgrade, (laughs) well. And to be fair, I get A good good therapist shouldn't just dump you and that be it. They should be recommending and following through a process of getting you engaged with a different therapist that is more suitable for you. You shouldn't ever be just kicked to the curb. I want to take a little bit of a second to talk about my experiences. I have engaged with both CBT and DBT therapy styles. The first time that I went to more of a proper therapist, And that's to say like not, this might get dark, not like a crisis line or a online support channel of some kind. When I really went to sit in front of a person, they were one of my university counselors and I didn't really recognize it at the time, but having gone to other therapists since and having a bit more of understanding around how therapy works, I can recognize that that was DBT therapy at the time, dialectal behavioral therapy. And that well and truly did not work for me, like did not work for me at all. I was at a point with my mental health that I struggled to do literally any day-to-day task. Getting out of bed was hard. Showering was hard. Eating was hard. Any task, whether it was for my own well-being or not was incredibly, incredibly difficult. And so what I found with DBT is that I was being asked to do more work, Mm. that it was task heavy, that it was like homework. And all I kept thinking to myself was that I can't even get out of bed. How am I supposed to be expected to do all of these exercises and all this role play and all of these little activities when I can't even get myself out of bed? It did help to an extent. It got me things like diagnoses, which were really important, although I'm still a firm believer that you don't need a diagnosis in order to be in therapy yeah I don't think it's a a, has to be a one and done but having a diagnosis at the time really helped I was able to get on medication which really helped and I stayed on medication for a while I was feeling really good with the support of my doctor I came off medication which is an important point don't come on and off mental health medication without the permission of your doctor yeah it can be very much a shock to the system and can result in not good not good feelings after a while and we're talking probably a solid year maybe two years post medication I felt a little bit like I was slipping again but I was pretty determined not to go on medication not that I have anything against medication and I've still dabbled in and out of the thought of going back on medication even recently but at that point I was really determined not to go back on meds and so I found a new therapist and my new therapist was way more heavily CBT cognitive behavioral therapy and that is really where I felt the most comfortable where I felt like I was getting the most out of it. I like every so often, my therapist would give me like a little bit of homework or a little bit of like, hey, I want you to try this, or hey, I'm going to send you this chart or this like little diagram that like explains some things to you. But it wasn't the core of what we did. She very much felt like a confidant. She feels like a friend that I can trust. Obviously within you know therapy therapist patient boundaries, which again is important. You should never feel your if you express to a therapist that you you are attracted and or feeling romantic feelings towards them they should immediately let you go as a patient because that's a no-no that's crossing a whole bunch of lines but she was really really good for me and i still see her and she's still great it's obviously you know an ongoing cost but it's worth it i think mm-hmm. it's the things like i will just sit there for 20 minutes and have a rant about something and be really frustrated and really angry and by the end of it she's like fuck yeah i completely understand why you feel that way like that's really fucking annoying and i'm like thanks but i really appreciate i needed that to I need you to validate me, please. But I definitely, throughout those two different experiences, found the type of therapy that I know now works best for me. And I am like relatively confident that it wouldn't matter who the therapist was as long as I was engaging in that type of therapy. Not 100% confident in that because I think you still need to vibe with the individual. Yeah. You need to feel like you're on the same wavelength, you need to feel like you can get along. But At the core of it, I learned that CBT is my jam. My jam. And I want to talk in this episode about, you know, my kind of recommendations on how to find the right therapist because it can be quite challenging and quite daunting. But I got somewhat really lucky with her. And it's sad that that feels like a luck thing and not something that I could just easily make happen. Yeah. But part of that, I think, even though I'd already been through the therapy process before to an extent, there's still a huge amount of shame to therapy, and I think the shame with therapy is kind of generational, generation dependent. I know, and obviously we've seen it all over the internet, all over the online vibes that millennials, Gen Zs, very pro therapy. Yeah, which is great. It's
1: great I, to see. This episode is making me remember that I literally had a like youth line mentor for like my entire year thirteen. Cute. I forgot that I had that. That was real. Yeah. Like I just blacked that out. That I would really go and like talk about my feelings with someone. That's therapy. Babe. I forgot that I did that. Yeah. Clearly, it wasn't that impactful. It must no, I have think been. it was. Yeah. But I just don't think about it. It's so useful to the point that you're like that doesn't require any yeah. storage in my brain because I remember year thirteen being quite a good mental health year for me. That's good. We love that. Yeah. We love that. Sorry, but. <laughs> Again, I think also part of the reason I forget is because I didn't really tell anyone. Yeah. I don't, don't think anyone knew that I went to there. Yeah. Which is why I forgot. Yeah. Because it was a secret. I was lying about it. I was, I was being deceitful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think, and it's, it's funny because you, you talk about high school and I think if I had gone to a mental health professional in high school, which to be fair, I 100% should have done and needed to do at the time. I think at that point I would have done everything I could to keep that a secret. Um, yeah, which is why it's great to see like the generation under us be so much more open like we kind of started to get there, but it was still very much once we were kind of out of high school and mm. in, our, in our 20s living our kind of adult life did we start being more open about? talking about therapy. I feel like Gen Z's, I mean, you're technically a Gen Z. The younger Gen Z's. I, I think you are too. I am too. I'm on the cusp. You, I like to pretend you Little that you're Gen fucking Z, liar. That I'm This not. bitch really out here. You're a Gen Z, mate. I know you are too. <laughs> I literally know you are too. I try to claim Gen Z and I just feel like I can't do it.
1: Neither can I. Like an elder Gen Z. I'm a 90s baby too. That we just talked about how I am only just a 90s baby. <laughs> I was there for like seven months in so. the 90s. <laughs> No, so I count.
0: No. But obviously our generation and the generation above us and, and, well, generation below us more than anything, becoming more open to at least the discussion with friends, with family. But in saying that, even opening that discussion with family, like that was kind of my biggest challenge was that like my peers were really supportive about me being in therapy. And, you know, a lot of my peers were also in therapy and we would all talk about it a lot and that was all great. But talking to my parents about being in therapy was a lot more daunting. Mm-hmm. And not because they don't want me to get help. That is not part of the equation. I think there is so much more shame associated with therapy for older generations that you really have to be damaged or this has to be a last ditch attempt before therapy is an option.
1: Yeah. We talked about this briefly in another episode about the idea that therapy is like a last resort. Yeah. So at least parents, I feel like if you tell them that you're taking therapy, they feel like they've failed somehow because you must be rock bottom right now. You must be lowest of the low to need to go to therapy. And I think that's what my parents thought or my mum thought is that me going to therapy meant that she had failed somehow. Just it's like, no, No. I think I would have been messed up regardless of who (laughs) raised
0: me. It's really not about you. Yeah, no. It's just not. Because, uh, yeah, it's very much that like a quote unquote normal person wouldn't need to see a therapist I wouldn't want to see a therapist but everyone needs to go to therapy literally everyone
1: needs to talk to people I think that it is like the world we live in today at least is moving towards realizing that therapy isn't for damaged people it's yeah. for everybody to learn how to communicate to learn how to unpack their own feelings because no one teaches you how to do that no you learn how to read write multiply fucking paint (laughs) do so much random shit in primary school intermediate high school but no one actually ever teaches you how to manage your feelings yeah
0: No one teaches you how to regulate your
1: emotions. Yeah. Well, that's fucking apparent from men. Like, (laughs) very apparent. Even the fact that men punching, or boys miraculously, punching holes in walls is like a normal thing
0: yeah to the point where it's like everyone probably knows a guy that's punched a wall at some point yeah multiple
1: Yeah, like when you go to flats and there's like a hole in the wall parties punching holes in the wall I'm like oh but women are the ones that are too emotional right women are the ones that are too emotional people don't really see anger as an emotional reaction Yeah, they just see it as like oh he was angry or she was angry they don't actually think about the fact that why are they angry almost always anger is tied to sadness jealousy stress some other emotion that when women are jealous, stressed, upset, that's them being too emotional. But when men have those same emotions, but show it through anger, it is not seen as emotional. Exactly. Baby. Baby. <clears throat> Something's not know. No, 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 no. And no one teaches people how to fully unpack those emotions. And I think that that we're just circling back to toxic masculinity, essentially. <laughs> Is that no one teaches boys that it's okay to show emotion? Yeah, they're taught the literal exact opposite. They're, they're taught to show emotion through anger.
0: Yeah, but that's the only valid emotion.
1: That's the only valid way, manly way, that you can show how you're feeling. Yeah. But again, baby, it's sexy when you talk. <laughs> talk trauma to me. Tell me about your feelings. Talk trauma to me. <laughs> do, 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 do.
0: <laughs> oh man. And exactly. If we don't have society that's helping us understand how to deal with our emotions, if we don't have our educators or our education providers talking to us about how to regulate and manage our emotions if we don't have our families opening up those conversations and and having those discussions about feelings how are any of us going to be better more well rounded and just I guess secure of self individuals if therapy is also not an option Yeah. If therapy is also only for the damaged or the broken or you have to be this level of severity in order to make it justifiable from others that you're in therapy. Like, I think another kind of element of that is also the way that therapy is portrayed in the media. Yeah. Portrayed in TV and movies. And I think about, like, taking it back to my humble mention in last week's episode of Grey's Anatomy, I think about all the couples in Grey's Anatomy throughout the series that went to couples therapy mm. and everyone watching those episodes everyone sitting on the other side of that tv knew that these couples were too far gone that they weren't going to that be therapy able to wasn't deal with fix anything and yeah. that's because they went to therapy way too late You shouldn't be going to therapy when things are crumbling, when things have already crumbled, when you're already feeling like you've, you know, jumped over to that next level or in that next position, because the likelihood that you will come out of that in a positive way get smaller and smaller the longer that you wait Mm. and that is the problem with the assumption that therapy is only for those that are in that too far gone
1: state because also with like relationships especially like couples therapy it feels like a failure a failure if you're in therapy but it's just about learning how to communicate with people how to be a better partner there's nothing wrong with learning how to be a better partner it's called upskilling (laughs) (laughs) adding to my linkedin literally okay i'm just upskilling but yeah it's it, it definitely is portrayed as a thing for damaged broken yeah. crumbling people relationships whatever yeah when it's not it's just about everyone needs someone to talk to and everyone deserves to be in relationships where they are being communicated with the way that they need yeah like you deserve to be understood in your relationship and your partner deserves to be understood yeah and the way that everyone is raised so differently everyone has different coping mechanisms everyone has different ways of talking me and Michaela always talk about how we talk really fast and we overlap each other but it's normal for us yeah but for other people that would be psychotic like crazy yeah. Or like very hurtful. Yeah. Depending on like how you were raised, how you talk to people, how yeah. you think interactions go normally. So yeah. it's just important to learn how to communicate with other people.
0: Yeah. And it's also important to learn what you need, which I think is a big part of it. Obviously, with things like couples therapy, it's great to learn how to be a better partner for your partner. But you can't do that if you don't understand your own needs, your own way of processing things, your own responses to things because otherwise you're also starving your partner of the ability to be a good partner to you and I think like you and I especially love to make jokes about the fact that everyone's parents should be in therapy yeah as much as everyone should be in therapy everyone's parents should be in therapy and I think that would make for a lot less of a fucked up generation yeah (laughs) go to therapy so your kids don't have to literally literally save them from those bills like break that generational trauma someone needs to do the work yeah but the conversation with those of of the older generation. I mean, first of all, on one hand, the more that our generation and the generations to come feel more confident and comfortable openly talking about therapy, the more that will be normalized. Normal. Yeah. And especially in in media and TV and movies, making sure that the conversations that are being had are regular and comfortable and about normalizing looking after your mental health. Mm-hmm. And the more that, that happens The less we're going to see the alternative that we've seen most of our lives as to how therapy's been viewed. But also that doesn't mean that we just wait for that time to come as much as you should always do what you need and what's best for you, regardless of what other people think, it can be really upsetting to be vulnerable with a parent or an older person in your life and tell them that you think you need to go to therapy when they dismiss that request of yours or that need of yours, when they say that that's not necessary, when they say that, you know, you're not bad enough to deserve therapy, you don't need to be in therapy, what's wrong with you to be in therapy? It's less about, I guess, kind of convincing them that that's not the case, because you should never have to convince Anyone that you're in a bad enough state to need to go to therapy. That's not part of this conversation. But I think what would be really helpful is trying to talk to these people in your life about why they have such an adverse reaction to therapy.
1: Yeah, where is that coming from? Why do they hate it so much? And that's probably because they need to go to therapy. And yeah,
0: I think you hit the nail on the head with that one there, buddy. Because you're you're never going to be able to force someone to see things from your perspective. It's not an option. But trying to engage in a back and forth, respectful, productive conversation where you're taking on their opinions and their thoughts and you're not just telling them that they're wrong. You're not just telling them that they're have no idea what they're talking about, you can work with the reasoning that they're giving you and show them alternatives, show them maybe examples as to why that might not be the case, especially for you as an individual. Just like with the rest of the barriers that we've mentioned with therapy, if you are a minor and you don't have income of your own and you essentially are going to require your parents to pay for your therapy, that is a particularly challenging one, especially if your parents don't believe in therapy or don't see your need to be in therapy. Mm. your desire to be in therapy that is where options like school counsellors university counsellors
1: there are quite a few um at least in new zealand free mental health
0: services for youth yeah absolutely and you don't need parental permission to do any of that yeah and as much as you know it's always a bit of a touchy subject to try and convince or at least inform minors that they can do things without parental permission, because there are permission elements, you know, at play that are very much valid and are there to protect minors, but there's no point letting something stand in your way of accessing mental health support that you need, Mm. especially when there are services and organisations there to specifically help with those things. If you're trying to have a conversation with your parents and it's really not getting anywhere, that doesn't have to stop you from getting the support that you're looking for. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. And that actually leads me perfectly into talking about how to find the right therapist or at least the right therapy style. Like we've talked about, bit of a process, right? You've got, you potentially have many barriers to entry, but also the process of finding a therapist can be very costly, can be very time consuming, can be very energy draining, especially if you're coming up against, oh, sorry, our books are closed. We can't take any more patients or yes, but you have to be in person and this person lives two hours away and you don't have a car or you don't have a mode of transportation or we might have availability but you have to go with this particular therapist in our clinic you can't choose which one like there's just a lot of things that could get in your way when you're trying to find a therapist but I think the best place to start is remembering that Google is a great resource yeah Google is free Google is good finding out and researching and learning about the different types of therapy that are there I go back and forth with my doctor because I am a big symptom Googler big WebMD let me figure out what's wrong with And my doctor and I have actually gotten to the point where she's like, you know, you know your body better than anyone else. You are a reasoned logical smart person that is not going to send yourself down an insane rabbit hole that you're going to panic and never get out of and alerting your medical professionals whether it's mental health or otherwise to things that you suspect might be happening with you allows them to either tell you like work with you to tell you either you're wrong or you're right and let's move forward with treatment Mm. so googling what any potential diagnoses you might think you you have or want to get is helpful I mean it's not be all and end all we Can't do everything off of a self diagnosis. You shouldn't ever try and get on medication through a self diagnosis or anything like that. But it will help guide you to finding the right therapist. Mm. A lot of therapists will specialize in either a style or a type of illness or type of struggle that they specialize in, which helps you narrow down the therapy options out there. But even like with me reading out the list of therapy options earlier in the episode, you were probably sitting there being like, yeah, that is not for me. Yeah. That one is not for me. I can imagine that that one. would not work but there might have been some where you were like oh okay that's probably that's probably more suitable for me and that's even enough to start with really because you can work (laughs) all that stuff out with your therapist exactly exactly and the important part with that is that and I don't think people talk about this enough but you don't have to commit to the first therapist that you see or the second or the ninth you can shop around exactly and you should because we all know that therapy is expensive if you're going to go down the you know the typical therapy route it's expensive more than anything it's a waste of money if you're spending your money seeing a therapist that you don't like that you don't vibe with that you don't think understands you that isn't talking to you in a way that you would like. For queer folks, you know, there's no point in seeing a therapist that isn't going to respect your pronouns, that isn't going to respect your identity. I know that when I first started looking into therapy, it was really important to me to have a queer therapist Mm. because I needed someone that had more of an innate understanding of who I was and the struggles that I would go through. So there's elements like that that can be really helpful to narrow down the type of therapist that you're looking for. But you don't have to just keep going to a therapist you don't like. (laughs) You're allowed to say thank you, goodbye. And just like we were talking about earlier you're done. You're done. Just like we were talking about earlier with like being broken up with by your therapist. Mm. You can break up with them too. And I know that's a hard conversation because you're essentially having to sit there and be like, I don't think this relationship is working. Yeah. I don't think we... But
1: that's great practice for your real life. See? Exactly. Look, therapy having benefits
0: that we didn't even
1: think of. Even when it's bad, it's good. (laughs) Exactly.
0: So yeah, once you kind of have a bit more of an understanding of maybe what kind of therapy you're looking for or maybe what kind of things that you're looking for from a therapist. That is especially where Google comes in, right? Finding people, local therapists near you, even support groups, like that's only a Google search away. And more than anything, trust your gut, trust your intuition. If something doesn't feel right, if the research you're doing or the conclusions that you might be drawing don't feel like or at least feel like they're providing you with more questions than answers or more, you know, confusion The direction go with your gut Mm. you know even if you don't fully understand what the experience could look like if it's maybe your first time going to a therapist or you don't have a clear idea of what to expect if you're especially if you're sitting in that first session and you're like I don't know what it is but something doesn't feel right you are the master of your own destiny (laughs) like get out if it doesn't feel right just do what makes your little brain feel a bit happier yeah because I as much as I will unpack a huge amount of trauma and spend 45 minutes out of the hour sobbing hysterically to my therapist, I never leave that session feeling worse. Yeah. And I think that's the key. I might have dealt with a whole lot of really hard stuff or struggled through the conversation, but I never come out of it being like, great, now I feel shittier. That's not the point of therapy. The point of therapy is to help you feel better. Yeah. Without a therapist telling you everything that you want to hear to feel better. You're going to, like, uh, as much as you pay for them and essentially, in a way, they work for you, they're not going to tell you everything you want to hear. Yeah. Sometimes it is brutally honest. Criticism is key. And I, like everyone close to me will know, hates criticism. Mm-hmm. Hates criticism. Hence Therapy
1: yeah (laughs) to work through how much you hate criticism exactly
0: exactly because again therapy doesn't just have to be for you know very obvious or specific mental health concerns or mental health illnesses you can just want to know how to do something better for yourself yeah that can be it
1: The key takeaway is go to therapy.
0: Go to therapy. Convince your parents to go to therapy. Talk to your friends about going to therapy. Talk to literally everyone you know. If your workplace doesn't offer any mental health support, talk to your boss, talk to HR. Make that an option. If you feel like your university or your school isn't doing enough to offer mental health services, it is the power of the people. The more that you speak up about it, the more that you ask, the more that you demand the support that you're looking for, the more likely it'll it'll come to fruition, you know? This episode feels somber, but it's about a really important thing Mm. and it's kind of hard to make therapy fun. And I think as long as we're all coming away from this episode being like, yeah, therapy is something that if I'm not going already, I should at least explore. Yeah. Because there's no harm in doing that, you know? Yeah. Go to therapy. Go to therapy in a way that you can afford and sustain. Yeah. Because that's a key as well. Okay. I promise next week's episode is going to be far more entertaining and yeah. far more fun times because we need some fun times. As always, you can find us on Instagram, GoodGirls_Podcast. underscore podcast. And send us an email, goodgirls at hudapp.com. Talk to us. Let us know your therapy experiences. Good, bad, ugly. I think it's important to look at experiences from all angles. So we'd love to hear it. Yeah, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.